I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast about everything for supply chain advantage. So let's begin. Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and this is the Chain Reaction Podcast. This week, I was contacted by Mikhail Sarakanta Dominic, and he asked me a question. He asked me about my thoughts on the disruption in global shipping following disruption at Yantian and other ports in China due to COVID-19. A supplementary question was, what will the new normal look like? Many businesses are asking the question, where's my box? This got me thinking more about the problems currently being experienced by many businesses who want to import or export their goods by sea. And the knock-on effect that this has in global supply chains. Is it a case of Plato's cave when it comes to inflated prices being charged by shipping companies and the multimodal logistics firms? In Plato's allegory, the slaves were kept in check by the appearance of guarding soldiers behind them casting large shadows onto a wall of the cave that the slaves were facing. They don't look round to see the world as it really was with normal-sized people, not giants, guarding them because they were under penalty of death. The world they could see was one of appearance. And so it is with firms when they act as a single supply monopoly or a colluding oligopoly. The visibility is obscured from view for the customer, and it facilitates an opportunity for price-fixing cartels. Increasing concentration with shipping owned and controlled by relatively few large companies and the biggest multimodal logistics companies handling a high percentage of cargo, is it the case that the rapid rise in prices for containers is somehow being artificially inflated to recoup lost profits during the pandemic? Perhaps if you work in shipping, you could let me know what you think. Things are desperate for some UK businesses attempting to book containers to move their imports and exports. Reports of price increases as much as five times higher than a year ago for shipping containers between Chinese ports and the UK, with the average box price up by 400%. Similar price increases are being experienced in the EU and in the United States. The main reason given by shippers and logistics firms is that there is a box shortage. And yet, there are now more boxes in the world than ever, according to the statistics held by the United Nations Conference for Trade and Development and the World Shipping Council. These large shippers operate in these global markets. So where are the boxes? Where's my box? That's the question being asked. Another reason given is that the boxes are in the wrong place and the shippers haven't been able to move as many empty boxes to the return ports as they would in normal times. Demand for boxes is also said to be higher than normal as businesses 
are booking more space to satisfy increasing consumer demand. While these reasons are plausible, it's also clear that the profits earned by the largest players are also increasing, despite COVID-19. So is it the case that these large businesses dominating the global sea trade have seen an opportunity to claw back some profit by fixing higher prices through a quasi-cartel? recent episodes of my Chain Reaction podcast, Disruption and Complexity, have featured heavily. Disruption is number one on my list of trends for 2021. If you want to achieve supply chain advantage, you need to manage it carefully. And that means being prepared. Layered complexity is also in my top 10 list. And today's supply chain networks are complex and the type of system complexity is what I describe as layered. Since the Suez Canal holdup caused by the ever-given container vessel stopped the flow of sea freight travelling through it in March, the situation has worsened, and we now have many ports in China stopping ships from entering or leaving because of an increase in COVID-19 in their sea terminals. According to Maersk, one of the largest carriers in the world, this has increased delays by two days from 14 to 16 days. This is adding much time and layers of complexity to moving goods around the globe. Nearly a quarter of China's exports pass through Guangdong and the port cities of Shenzhen and Guangzhou. Other ports in the province, including Yantian, Sheku, Xi'an and Nansha, have stopped vessels from entering. 95% of electronic goods out of China travel by this route. How much global trade travels by sea? Now there's a question. About 80% of global trade by volume and 70% by value travels by sea freight and 60% travels from Asia with one third of maritime trade travelling through the Straits of Malacca and through the South China Sea, according to the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development. Trade passing through the South China Sea is valued at nearly $4 trillion, $3.71 trillion was the figure given by UNCTAD. Europe and the US are heavily reliant on these trade routes. Sea freight is one of the biggest disruptors when it goes wrong. The impact is high and the interconnected supply networks feel the full effect, with many businesses and consumers detrimentally affected. 52% of deadweight tonnage is under control of just five nations. Greece at 18%, China 11 Japan 11 Singapore 7 and Hong Kong China 5%. 16% of all merchant ships are registered in Panama. The beneficial ownership, of course, is located elsewhere. Even prior to recent disruptions, some signals were already emerging from the noise. I recently mentioned... The sharp increase in the cost of hiring 20 and 40-foot containers had risen with 40-foot boxes rising from around $4,000 to $12,000 carrying freight from China to the United States. Moving goods in a 40-foot container from Shanghai to Rotterdam is costing in the region of $11,000, up by 350 to 400% on prices last year. And this will all feed into business costs and consumer prices in the months ahead. 
price inflation is likely to increase as the shortage of boxes intensifies. Most of the world's sea containers are manufactured in, you guessed it, China. Many boxes are tied up in the supply chain as they remain at ports, on ships and elsewhere because it's taking much longer to complete shipments than it did prior to the pandemic. This extra time is adding to the pressure on the existing container stocks. Interestingly, three out of four containers returning from Los Angeles to China do so empty. Maersk estimate it costs them $1 million to ship and reposition empty containers annually. Most shippers want their empty containers in Asia for the next pickup. There's also a mismatch of increased demand to the shrinking supply of transport. Now let's look at some facts about the boxes themselves. It's estimated there are 93,161 maritime vessels, according to various sources, and 5,222 of those are container ships. The capacity of container boxes in use is estimated at 38.5 million deadweight tonnes. This is the weight of everything on board a vessel, including cargo, people, water, ballast, fuel, food and the crew. Around 1,400 containers are lost at sea annually, on average, according to some estimates. However, other sources say it's closer to 10,000 containers that are lost at sea each year. Sometimes, but not often, a whole ship sinks, which pushes the average upwards. In a normal year, up to 6 million containers are manufactured, usually in China where they make 97% of all the containers. There are two standard boxes, known as the 20-foot and 40-foot container, with a height of 8 foot 6 inches. The high cubes, as they are known, are 9 foot 6 inches. While the 40-foot box is exactly that, the 20-foot box is only 19 foot 10 inches. In addition, there are 6 million high cubes at 9 foot 6. These containers make about 200 million trips per annum, equivalent to 811 million 20-foot equivalent units, TEUs, as they're known in the business. And as I say, carrying four trillion pounds worth of cargo in the containers. They travel to about 150 ports in over 80 countries. There is no complete register of containers, but the best estimates suggest that there are 23 million shipping containers in service, carrying the equivalent of 38.5 million TEUs, and, if you wanted to be picky, about two-thirds of those are 40-foot containers and 33% are 20-foot containers. 14 million containers are not in service. And that's equivalent to 23.3 million TEUs. And annually, about 6 million new shipping containers are produced, equivalent to 10 million TEUs. So think about all those containers for a moment. 23 million containers in use, 14 million not in service, 6 million new boxes appear. This appears to be close to double the number currently in use, or fairly close to that. 
And it seems to suggest that there's inefficiency in the container business. It suggests that the efficiency levels in container utilization is exceptionally low compared with the rest of the supply chain. So where is my box? There have obviously been disruptions due to COVID-19. But is this sector doing enough to remedy the situation? In normal times, pre-pandemic, demand was obviously more predictable and less volatile than it is today. Inefficiency is disguised when you can operate at lower volumes. So it may be that there has been no urgency to improve customer service until now. Large improvements were made in road haulage transport when attention was paid to backhauling rather than returning empty vehicles. So perhaps this is one area that needs attention if bottlenecks are to be avoided to make the supply chain more resilient when it comes to container shipping. So what does the new normal look like? That was the supplementary question. Well, it looks disrupted. Supply chains and networks are going to need to employ agile and flexible solutions to the continuous disruptions likely to break out without much notice. Contingency planning is the name of the new normal. Each and every supply network needs to audit and assess the vulnerabilities and risks in order to plan for those what-if moments that are likely to be more frequent, probably making them what-when moments. Shipping has to be a high priority to address for many businesses. However, if you were to look to beyond this immediate shipping crisis to the root cause analysis, it would suggest that Western businesses have become too reliant on China and Asia to satisfy their every need. And it's the imbalance of global trade that's a major risk. A new normal might begin to examine what it takes to rebalance trade. Layered complexity means that this has to be tackled by governments creating incentives to encourage investment in production hubs, service centres and transport infrastructure. In the United Kingdom, there are areas which have been put on the back burner for far too long. Whereas in the United States, the Biden administration is committed to making supply chains more resilient and this requires significant investment. It would be good for UK policymakers to do something similar if government needs some encouragement here to think this through, then it might be worth pointing out that factory costs in China have risen by more than 9% in the past year. This is higher than in the previous decade. They're likely to continue on this trajectory in the short to medium term as they struggle to contain costs. Consumer price inflation in the United States, the UK and Europe is on the rise. While international trade brings many benefits, it has to be balanced. Balance is needed for stability, risk reduction and reduced environmental impact and to secure employment. It's also necessary to build strategic capabilities. While China has been building its strategic capabilities, much of the developed world has been sleepwalking into a turbulent future. Downsizing, offshoring and outsourcing may all sound attractive, when faced with immediate threats or in search of immediate returns on profit and performance measures. 
They were relatively easy ways for global companies and their accountants to push cost overseas, while at the same time lowering them. It's not the way we should build the future. We need to build back better. It's time to reskill, relearn, reinvest for a better future. This is not a simple argument to reshore or nearshore, although there may be benefits in doing so. This is an argument about rebalancing the economy. It's a manifesto for making a resilient and fit supply chain for purpose. So there we have it. So now you know where your box might be. This is Tony Hines signing off from Chain Reaction for this week. Hope to see you next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to Chain Reaction, all about supply chain advantage, written and presented by Tony Hines. (laughs) 